0: Thinking of what's a test, or what's a concern, or what's a challenge that we deal with leading up to the holiday of Pesach. What is the challenge that we face as we get closer to that holiday? And now maybe you can give me ideas. It's hard to work, hard to shop, scheduling I think a big challenge that we face is that many of us spend a lot of time during this month, between Purim and Pesach, comparing and saying, you know, where's your holiday? Where's my holiday? Where'd you shop? Here's where I shopped. What are you getting for your children? And you'll hear a friend maybe mention a store that she shopped in and you're like, wow. You could afford that. Or maybe you'll hear from another friend a, uh, where she's spending her holiday. And you say, oh, come on, I'm sitting here underneath uh, pulling in my oven and scrubbing behind the oven. And you're somewhere where it's, where it's warm, where it's happy, where it's exciting. And we spend a lot of time, a lot of time comparing. Whether we say it, we don't say it, we think about it. Comparing our life to somebody else's. And I think that starts to become a challenge that, like I said, we face during the course of this month. So we're going to try to discuss it, to, end, to some degree deal with it. What time is our class supposed to end? Not one, I don't know, 12.50, 12.50, okay? And then, no, this is I cannot keep my word, and then, okay. this week's says... This week's parasha is parasha tazriya. Parasha tazriya talks about a woman giving birth, and then it follows that with all the laws of tzarat, of, of a person who finds a blemish on their body, and a spot on their body, and it means they spoke etc. And the basuq begins when a woman gives birth to a baby. It talks about how pure or impure she is. And Rashid says, you know, it's interesting how the Torah places this story. The Torah places this law immediately following Parashat Shemini. The end of Parashat Shemini is all about animals. So why is it that the human being comes after all the animals? It gives us the laws which bird is kosher, which fish is kosher, which mammal is kosher, which reptile, every different species that's kosher or unkosher, and then... It talks about the human being. Why does the human being come last? So, Rashi answers the question, he says, because that's the way God created the world. When God created the world, He created everything. And the human being was created last. And so therefore, the laws of the human being comes last as well. Why was man, the human being, created last? So, the Midrash says like this, is that Hashem says... I created the human being, last for this person, for this purpose, is that a human being could be the first thing in the world, if he's great, and if he's not great, he could be the last thing in the world, the worst thing in the world. The human being could be the best and could be the worst. And so a human being that is good and holy, we say to him, you were the whole purpose of the world. Everything here was a buildup to you. You are the climax. Another human being who is evil and doesn't do the right thing, and isn't going a bad path, we tell him, you, an animal was created before you. A bug came before you. You're nothing. The human being has in its hands to be go very much either way. The human being could be something that is very holy, very spiritual, very, very elevated, and could be the greatest level of any being alive. And a human being could be the worst. A human being could be on the bottom, bottom, bottom of the barrel, worse than any animal, worse than any bug. And one of those things that I believe brings us down like a rock, dropping to the bottom of the sea is jealousy. It's when we start to think and start to look at other people and other people's lives and we start to allow it to bang away at our heads until it torments us, until it bothers us, until it eats at us, until we get so frustrated and so angry and so obsessed and so annoyed and just... You can't think straight. And we start to do things we never imagined we would have done. And go t- say things we never imagined we would have said. And stoop to levels we never imagined we would have stooped to. But we're only doing it because we're so messed up over the things that we're jealous of. Someone gave me this example today. He said, you know, think about Saddam Hussein. Saddam Hussein had everything in his world that a man could want. He was powerful. I mean, he was really powerful. He owned his country. He was wealthy. He lived in tremendous glory. I mean, he had everything and no one was bothering him. And yet, all America wanted is just to, you know, see if you have weapons, you don't have weapons. And he didn't even have them. So why do you just say, Fun, I'll come in, look inside, see what I have, the, the cupboard's empty, and go home? But he decided not to get into this head war with the United States of America. And you could, you can't, you could, you can't. Until there he is, standing there in a bunker with a few thousand dollars in his hands, with his sons killed, getting executed. Hello, you had everything. But what happens is you start to get in that war. I need this, and you have it, and I don't have it, and I'm not letting you, and you're not letting me. And we'll say, and you start to create yourself and turn yourself into a man-man. And the truth is we do this to ourselves. Is that maybe God forbid we don't stoop to that level, but we just sometimes we start thinking and we start bothering, we start obsessing, and we start being frustrated and we start just you know, she's got it, and I don't got it, and she's got it, and I don't got it. You know, and what a kind and what people sit and compare bags. A bag should be a bag. No, a bag is how many C's I have on my bag and what kinda of, and no and what is safe how much it costs What's the difference? You're going to use it for six months. You're going to switch it in for another one. Why does it matter? But you know what? We sit and we think about it. And we think about it. It has the chain. It doesn't have the chain. It looks the same. It doesn't look... And we sit and we think. And really, we sit and we... People sit and obsess over it. Take your wallet. Take your cell phone. Take your... Do it and put it in the bag. What's the difference? Use a shopping bag. It doesn't matter. But no, we sit and we think. Maybe you don't use a shopping bag. Okay, I know it's a little. I know, I know. But what? No, but it's true. You no, know, it's really true. And we sit and we think about things. You know, I, you know, in this position, when I, when I was a little kid, I really used to think. I'm not even think about it that much. But you used to think that there's people who have like the life. There's people who have the life. Okay. And I'll tell you the truth. Being in this position at this point, over the years i met many, many people that are very wealthy, different, you know, very religious, not very religious, it's different. Many, many people that are very wealthy. I'll tell you one thing as a rule, and it's really true. Wealth is overrated. It's overrated. It's not that big a deal. I mean, I'm telling you, I've seen, I've gone to people's houses, or someone's house. I don't know. A few years ago. And I was sitting in the house and I am saying to myself, talking to them about their problem, saying to myself, like, doesn't it help? It's not helping? Like, why isn't the chandelier taking care of your problem? Why isn't the dining room table solve your issue? It should, come on! Why you th- But you know what? That's how it works. We, we sit and we think and we compare and we compare and we compare. And then what it does to us and what it does to our brain and how it obsesses our brain until it brings us to places we never imagined we'd be. You know, it says, there's a midrash that says that the last of the Ten Commandments is, don't be jealous. The last of the Ten Commandments is, don't be jealous. So the midrash says, you know, you can do, because of that one sin, you can do all, the, you could commit all the Ten Commandments. And tell tells a story of a man who was listening next door to his neighbor's house, and his neighbor was married to a woman that he was jealous of. Again, first a man just becomes a little jealous, and then a man becomes obsessed. Until one night, he's listening, and every night he's listening until he finally hears the husband in the next door house say he's going away on a business trip. He's going to go away on a business trip on a Friday. So that Friday night on Shabbat, the neighbor knowing that the husband is out of town, knocks down the wall on Shabbat, commits a sin of Shabbat, transgressing Shabbat. He then commits a sin with this woman and commits a sin of adultery. The woman starts to scream and yell, so he has no choice but to take a knife and kill her and commits a sin of murder. And then his, his parents come and say, what'd you do, what'd you do? And so he abuses them because he's angry at them. And then he has no answer, no response to them. And then the relatives come and they say, you know, you took some, we want you to be paid back. And he brings false witnesses to say he never did it. And then he gets angry and upset. And then before you know it, he leaves, he, he just goes off the path entirely. And he says, you know, you can commit all ten of the Ten Commandments by just what happens to your mind, what happens to your mind with comparing and with jealousy. And the truth is, we all have an element of it. We all have an element of it. But when it gets out of control, it starts to become very dangerous. I read this story as a true story. Two sisters who their whole life were jealous and angry and frustrated at each other. And always back and forth fighting cats and dogs. And finally one of the sisters was on her deathbed. And the other sister decides that she's going to come and visit her one last time. She comes to visit her. I say this is a true story I don't, I'm sorry for telling you the story But anyhow, she comes to visit her And she tells her sister Wow, you came to see me Come bend down I want to tell you something So the sister bends down And the sister in the bed Gets all her strength, muscles up And bites her sister on the neck oh, this is true? It's a, Sounds like a sick story, right? And I know I shouldn't have said the story But I'll tell you why I said the story because I know it sounds so sick, but there's a piece of us that has that in us. That just gets so frustrated at somebody, that you almost just want to say, Go away. I, I, I don't even want you to live. And it sounds sick. I know it sounds sick. It sounds sick. I know it's a sick story. But I just want to explain how far the road can go. And you, many of us have where we sit and we, we agonize and we obsess. And our life is beautiful. But well, we just don't even notice because we're so obsessed with what the other person has and how it looks and how people perceiving them and look at her, what she's thinking. And I can't imagine that how she's sitting there on our past outside in Florida and she or she's somewhere else and she's in, I don't know, Mexico and she thinks she's a hot shot and she thinks it's unbelievable and she walks by my house and she doesn't even help me with anything and here I am schlepping bags and cleaning things and she's just sitting there who she, she is. You know what? You just think about not Your life is fine Your life is happy But you get obsessed with it And it kills you There's a Gemara Gemara This is I've told this over many times But I think it's a very important thought Gemara says When a boy would get married In Israel Get engaged They would ask him a question Is your wife A matzah Or a mohzah What does this mean? Anyone here, ever hear this hadith from you before? No? Some of you may have heard it. Okay. What kind of question is that? Is your wife a matzah or a mozah? So the Gemara then explains the question. Gemara says matzah refers to the pasuk, matza isha matza tov. You found a wife, you found good. Mozah refers to a pasuk. Do you want me to tell you the pasuk? Yes, sure? You're sure? You said you said you want to hear the pasuk? Do you want me to say the pasuk? Yes, saying yes. it with covenant. Yes, okay. Motzani, I find marmi mi mavet ha'isha. I find worse than death is a wife. You wanted me to say the pasuk? Told you, I asked you first. One pasuk says that it's matzah, you found a wife, you found good. Another pasuk says, you find a wife, it's worse than death. Which one is your wife? That's what we ask this fellow. Now let me ask you a question. What kind of ridiculous question is this? You're serious? The man just got engaged. And you're asking him, is your wife worse than death? Give him months, give him some time. You're serious? <laughs> that right away you're asking this thing, he's engaged, he's, he's excited. And you ask him, is your wife worse than death? What kind of question is this? I'm serious, it's a serious Gemara. And then the Gemara ends. Gemara talks about something else. This is a serious Gemara. When they got married with Maravah, when they got married in Israel, they would ask the groom this question. Is your wife Matzah? Or is your wife Motzah? We need an explanation for this, right? Because yeah. if I told you the Pasuk, there has to be a good ending, right? <laughs> so let me try. So I saw a very nice explanation. You know, there's an expression that we have in the English language called "person is like a kid in a candy store." Have you ever seen? I say that person like a kid in a candy store, and what it's supposed to mean is the person is so happy they're like a kid in a candy store, right? Right? Whoever made up this expression never took a kid to a candy store because there's no place in the world where a kid is more miserable than in a candy store because it's true. What happens, you take in this little kid, he's eight years old, and you tell him, we're going to the candy store, and you can get one candy. <laughs> kid looks inside, opens up, goes in, goes for a chocolate. Then right past the chocolate, he sees some sour item. Then he sees some sweet item. Then he sees some sweet and sour item. And then he sees potatoes. Then he sees a lollipop. And a big kid's kid's going crazy. I know I want this and I want that. What do you do? You take the one candy, you put it in his pocket, and you get out of the store because as long as you're in the store the kid's miserable am I right? 100% right, right? we have to outlaw this saying it doesn't make sense, it's not true kid in a candy store is miserable well we're telling this boy we're not asking him what kind of wife he has of course he has a good wife at least he thinks now what we're telling him is what's your approach and what's your attitude to this wife is it matzah? what does matzah mean? Matzah means, I found. I found means, is your attitude to this woman, this is what I got. I found it. I found what I need, and that's it. Or is it moza? What does Matzah mean? Motzah means, I am finding. Finding means... I have her now, but the search is still happening. So, let me see. I have this wife, but someone else is a little more of this. Someone else is a little prettier. Someone else is a better cook. Someone else is a better mother. If you're in the search process, and if you're still finding, even after you're engaged, it's mar mi mavet, it's worse than death. And so what we're telling this boy is, is, we're not asking him what the girl is. We're asking him, what's your approach to this girl? Is it you found it, you got it, it's done? Or is your approach, I'm finding. If your approach is you're finding and you're still searching and you're still comparing, we're telling you from now, it's going to be worse than death. You will be miserable. And ladies, this is true. As if you're in the comparing game. And if you're comparing children, comparing families, comparing spouses, comparing incomes, comparing houses, comparing holidays, comparing vacations. If you're in the comparing game, we can tell you from now, you're going to be miserable. Miserable. Because I once was talking into a wealthy man and realized, you know, and him and a lot of people know him. he's a wealthy guy. Like everyone knows, he's a wealthy guy. And he starts talking to me about this other wealthy person. He says, he does it this way, but I do it that way. I'm like, I never even thought of it that way. That you're but you know what I know is in his head, he's sitting in this game. He does it, he does it, how he does it, how he does it. Because in his head, there's this game of, no, I might be here, but he's here. And and I. if you're in the comparing game, I even was once in a mechanic a few weeks ago. And there's this guy, some guys hanging out, you know, guys like, you know, yo dude kind of guys. This guy, so he's standing there, and they're talking, and they're... Hanging out, just saying, you know, I don't know, he's talking about it. greed, he goes, man, greed, is the worst thing in the world, greed, is, you know, that's what gets everyone into trouble, is all greed, and so he says, you know, if you just gave me 20 million, I'd be happy, and that was it, that'd be great, so <laughs> I said, yeah, I said, you know, I want to tell you something, so I told him about it, I'm not shy, so I just talked to these guys too, so I told him, I said, you know, you know, they have this list, Forbes comes out with a list every year of the billionaires, billionaires and there's all kinds of people I know there's four or five hundred people on the list I said imagine the person who makes nine hundred and ninety million dollars poor guy doesn't make the list he's not on the list and he's saying to himself I said that man doesn't sleep nights he really doesn't He says, I don't believe it, this guy got on the list last year, he was beneath me, now he's on top of me, I can't believe it, he was making 800 million last year, now he's making 1.2, he jumped me on the list, he's on the list, no one even knows about me, because I'm not on the list, how do I get on that list, what do I do on that list? And he obsesses, comparing, destroys, we have, many of us have beautiful lives, beautiful, beautiful lives. And the only thing that's missing in it is the fact that she has what looks like a better life. I read a story about read a story about two women who worked together in an office and they were both young girls, maybe in their low twenties, and one had just gotten married. Give her a name. Give me a name for her. Esther. Esther, okay. So Esther just got married. Give me a name for the other one who's married for a year. Rachel. Rachel, okay. So you just insulted half the room, but okay. So Esther, Esther is drives around and says, oh, I'm just so tired. So Rachel goes, really, why are you so tired? She says, I don't know. You know, it's just my husband, he goes out to study at night. And then when he comes back home at 10.30, you know, we have a coffee together and we're talking and before you know it, it's one thirty, two o'clock in the morning. I'm just so tired. So now Rachel's thinking like, wow, she has a husband that talks to her, <laughs> you know. Uh, my husband goes to sleep, like gets home at 10.30, he's in bed by 10.45, I say two things to him. By the time we get to something serious, he's he's snoring in front of me and I... So she tries to cover up and she says, well, you know, I know my husband doesn't really do that. You see, he really wants to be on time to Minyan in the morning. So he makes sure that he goes to sleep on time so he wakes up on time. So now Esther starts thinking. Her husband goes to Minyan in the morning. My husband wakes up 8.30, 9 o'clock. He's running around to get some late Minyan. Okay, they keep talking. They go back to their desk. True story. Go back to the desk few hours later, they're talking. She says, what do you make for dinner tonight? She says, oh, I'm going to make fish. And you know, it's it's great. The other one says, oh fish? My husband hates fish. So Rachel says, Rachel says, oh your husband hates fish? Um, my husband, I made him fish once and he really didn't like it but he, I told him to try and he tried it and now he loves it. So at first I was thinking, really? She's thinking, I mind. your husband tries things? My husband, I made the whole thing. He just puts it aside and So she says, you know what, but at least I gave him leftovers and it was okay. So the other one's thinking, and we're not confused who's who anymore. So the other one's thinking, the other one's thinking, oh really, your husband eats leftovers? I can never get away with a night like that, that I give my husband leftovers. So now, the next day they come to work, and one of them, I think it was Esther, comes in with a new watch. I said, wow, where would you get that watch from? My husband picked it out for me, got it. Wow, it's has unbelievable taste. Yeah, he really does. He has, you know, he goes and he even the flowers, you have to see the flowers. He gets to for Shabbat, they're beautiful. So the other one's like, you know, my husband doesn't really get involved and things like that. So Esther starts to think, well, you know, what? my husband cares about flowers. And he cares about little nonsense and he cares about having taste in a watch. So that night she calls up a Rebbitzin. And she says, I'm having issues. I don't know what to do. My husband is obsessed with little nonsenses. You know, he goes to sleep. He doesn't give me time. He doesn't talk to me. I, I, I'm frustrated. Two hours later, the Robinson gets another phone call. I don't know what to do. My husband never gets me any gift. He talks to me all night. And he never starts talking to me. And I don't know what to do. So the reverberant says to him, you know, I just heard the opposite problem. And the truth is, The story is is funny or strange, but it's true, because you know why? We all put on a little show, and the other person thinks, wow, that show seems good. They're putting on a show. Now I know they're putting on a show, because you also put on a show. And you also, when you tell the friend, oh yeah, how's your day, how's everything, Yeah, you also only tell the details that look great. So you know what? Your friend's doing the same thing. And when your friend says, yeah, everything's great, and everything's beautiful, and my kids, and everything... She's lying. Don't <laughs> believe it. It's true. She's lying. Because you lie, she lies too. So don't allow yourself to obsess and compare and think in those terms. You know, Borei Olam, when Hashem revealed Himself to Moshe for the first time, He said His name. What was the name that Hashem told Moshe? He told the name, He said, Ehekei. He said, Eheyei. I am Hashem, which means olive He Yud Hey which means I will be. He said so that's the name that of God. God said this is my name, the name is I will be. We say the name of Hashem a little different. We spell the name of Hashem Yud Hey Avav and then a Hey. It is what's the difference between the way God said it and the way we spell it? They're basically the same idea. Being, but what's the difference between what God said which is you will be And what we say which is the name of Hashem The answer is that God understands that this world and everything we have in front of us is nothing And He understands that it's all about the future And it's all about Ulam and it's all about the real world And this is all fake And so Hashem says the truth is what will be This here in front of you, the nonsense, the pocketbook, the holiday, the shoes, the boots, all those different things are zero. But we can't see that. So we say Hashem's name which has in it he vav which is Hoveh which is now Hashem is now because all we could see is what we have right now we can't see the future we can't see the real world we can't see what's really important and what's not we're obsessed with the present Hashem says I'm going to reveal myself to you hey, yeah I want you to see what's happening what's going to be Jewish people are in Egypt right now that's not what it's about I'm going to take them out on the Jewish people you're going to live a life you're going to have you're going to have a real world See the future! But we can't, we can't even say that word because we only see the now. We only see the present. Now there was once a father who, very wealthy man, who was on his deathbed and he took his family around him and he told them, there ain't no biting here, and he told them, he says, I wrote a will. I have two requests. Number, request number one is, I want you to bury me with my socks on You know the story And request number two is That I want you to read the will After the shloshim, After the month is over So one of the sons come over and says Dad, you know the lawyers you can't He says I don't care what the lawyers I want you to bury me with my socks on Anyhow yeah, a couple of days later he passes away They go to Hebra Kaddisha And they make the, They tell him their father's request They said, I'm sorry. (laughs) The law is, you can't be buried with socks on. I'm sorry. Can't do it. So they buried him like they bury a normal person. At the end of the month, they open up the will. And the first line of the will says, Boys, before you divide my estate, there's a lot of money in this estate. I want you to realize something. None of it comes with you. You can't even bring your socks. And that's really really important is to see what it's really about, you know, just at the funeral, I left early to come here, so just at the funeral, and Rabbi Diamond said in his speech, that this Rabbi Cassius used to say in the last few months of his life, or he actually said it yesterday in the hospital, he was telling his son on the phone, his son was in Israel yesterday, and he told him it's all the same, it's all the same. So diamond asked the kids, What does that mean? It's all the same. He says, That's what he's been saying lately. It's all the same, it's all the same. So he says, What does this mean? It's all the same, like he says, What he means is is that, you know, a person can live thirty years, a person can live fifty years, a person can live sixty years, a person can live eighty years, can live a hundred years. It's all the same. It's really all about what you do here. And the truth is it is all the same. Are we it's all the same which bag you have, which bag you don't, what you wear. See so your son has you know, your daughter has six outfits, your other daughter has four outfits. Your husband makes this amount of money, your friend's husband makes that amount of money. This one lives in a house on East this uh, and your this other one lives in a house with so the double digits. You know what? It's all the same. It's all the same. Yeah, I live on East 12. It's fine. It's all the same. Okay? It's 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 all the same. It's not that big a deal. It's it's really much more about what you do with it than, it than it is about what it is that you have. And you know, like I told you, when I told you about wealth being overrated, what I really recognize is, is that I've yet to meet a person that I know well that doesn't have things that really bother them. Now they come outside and they put on a nice smile and they lie to you. And they get in front of them and they have, they look great and they're dressed in some outfit that costs $3,000. So they look like, you know, dressed to kill. But I have yet to find a person who doesn't so realize that really this world is nothing and it's really about what we have in the next world, and it's really about what we're doing with this world, then what it is is to say, you know what? If your Pesach is a little more challenging, and it's a little harder to, to clothe your children, and it's harder to prepare, you know what? Hashem thinks you're going to accomplish great things this way. So, use this as your opportunity to accomplish with it. Say, you know what? Get down on your hands and knees, and clean underneath that couch, and say, Borei Olam, this is my chance to show closeness to you. This is, it is, I know it's easy for me to say, I don't do anything, but it's true, (laughs) but still, it's, it, it, no, really, and the same thing, you know what, for you, you know, you have a friend who just goes to the sharpest stores in the city and just shops and doesn't even think, or maybe, you know, that's only if she's not going to Paris this year, so she goes, and, and you have to go and bargain and switch and do, and you know what, it's all the same. Have you really want to accomplish with If it's about... You to say, you know what? This is my challenge and my opportunity to sacrifice to raise beautiful children. You know, when we pray to Hashem, and one more thought on addressing this, what we're talking about. Is, you know, we went yesterday, I took a group of boys to meet. Last week we spoke about Moshe Feinstein. So we took a group of boys yesterday like 50 boys to go meet Reb Ruben Feinstein which is Reb Moshe Feinstein's son and he spoke to them and it was really wonderful wonderful it was regular mainstream boys and they loved it um, so he he told them he says you know my father used to feel that this is how a woman should pray now I'm, this is not really the law that we hold today but this is what his father felt he says, his father felt that a woman should say in the morning, the Amidah, and Pesukedizimra before it. And that's it. You don't even have to say Shema. Instead say, now. I'm not telling you to do this. So you look at me and no, I'm not telling you to do this. I'm telling you what his father, his father used to say, it's Ashkenaz, not our custom, I'm not saying to do it. But I'm telling you what he, and even Ashkenazim don't really do this, but he felt that a woman should say, Pesukedizimra, and Amidah. Why? He says, you know, Pesugetism rise. is rise, the whole beginning in the book. Where we say, Ashre and all the different chapters. After Ashre and Az-Yashir, and all those things. He says, a woman should say that. Now Why? Why is that? Why does anyone have to say that? He says, why every morning do we have to wake up and tell Hashem, Oh, you're great, and you're great, and you feed the animals, and you feed everybody, and we should praise you, and he should praise you, and she should praise you, and they should praise you, the old ones, the young ones, everyone should praise you, and you're great, and you're great, and you provide for the whole world, and you're great, and and we sing, and you took us out of Egypt, and you redeemed us, and you said, why do we have to say this every day? And he says, why am I telling you that women should say this over everything else? He says, the reason why we say this is like this. Let's say, let's say I needed something. Let's say I needed to um, sell a building. I have a building and I want to sell it to a customer for $40 million. Let's say I want to sell the building. And who am I going to go to to sell the building? Some fellow with 20 grand in his account is not buying my building. I have to find a person who has the 40 million to be able to buy my building for 40 million. Correct? True. He said let's say you want to go to learn, I'll give you a woman example. He didn't give this example, but I'll give this example. Yeah, I trained my mind to think like this. So, um, let's say you need a recipe. Who are you going to? You're going to people who know how to cook and have recipes and that are the great cooks and great chefs. That's what you're going to. You're not going into some twelve year old girl. You're going to someone who knows. Correct? When we pray to God, there's one step before praying to him. It's realizing that he's the one that knows. It's realizing that he's the one with the forty million to give to you. It's realizing that He has it and He has the power. And so those first 10 minutes of the prayers that boys say every day and that He's saying even women should say is the Asher and all those praises are first recognizing that God is the one. That God is the one that has everything to deliver to you. Everything you want, He has. Not Him or their. When you see people are praying for 5 minutes, 10 minutes and cutting half their prayers, I'm talking about men now for a minute. But if you see people who cut their prayers, it's because they forgot where it comes from and they forgot who is the one so the first thing you need to do is spend a few minutes to recognize he has it he provides to everybody the animals, the kids, the adults, the children he provides everything he took us out of Egypt he did everything so he's the one with the 40 million in the bank so now he's the one to ask for a couple of million he's the one to ask for what I need because he has it we need to recognize that when you're sitting and comparing and you're deciding are oh, she and is she She has nothing. What you have is what God gave you, and everybody else is puppets. Everybody else is fake. Everybody else is just something that God put around you as background music to your life. What's only God decided what you have. And God decided to give this to you, and that's what He thinks is totally for you. What he has and she has, and the other one has, this one has, and looks like, and doesn't look like, and sounds like, is zero. It's a bunch of puppets. It's a bunch of fake things. It's not real. Boreh gave you what he gave you, and he understand he could provide anything for you, and like this he could give you the unbelievable, and like this he could give you this, he gave it to you. So when we understand here for a minute, and to put it together, when we understand how low, and how miserable a person could become, with a good life, how miserable a person could become, by having really a lot, by just comparing and analyzing and looking and saying they have and they don't have and what do they have and how do they have it and how miserable and how depressed you could become. I'm serious. You could really become angry and frustrated and depressed and you look at yourself and you say, you know what, thank God, it's great. But then you look next door and you say, it stinks. And how how down and how low a person can stoop. When they have that jealousy. And so the idea to be able to overcome it is to first of all recognize that in this world it's all the same. In this world, it's all nothing. And in this world, Bodeo Olam knows what he can give. And and Bodeo Olam, it's all about what you accomplish. After 120, when they're talking about people on 67th Street, nobody can care less about which boots you wore. Nobody cares about the socks, the boots, the bag, or the Passover you had 20 years ago. It's nothing. It doesn't mean anything. What means something is what you've done and what you've accomplished with it, and also realize that Boré Olam is the provider of everything. The person next door didn't take one nickel from you. The person next door didn't take one, didn't do one thing to you, didn't do one thing to your family, didn't do one thing to your husband. Nothing. The person next door does nothing. The person next door is a puppet. It's all in the hands of Boré Olam. I've told this many times. If someone would tell me that, you know, tomorrow morning you could not pray, I'd be angry at them. Because i say, you know what? I'm lucky to be able to pray. I wake up in the morning I have so many things I have to think about in one day. And so many things I have to worry about. Why I'm so thankful the fact that I have the opportunity to go to the source and go to the one who has it all and ask Him. Because He's got it. Next door neighbor doesn't have it, didn't take it, doesn't anything for me. And so be, understand that they don't have, that they're just Puppets. And they're background music to your life. You know, there was... There was a rabbi in Israel recently, and we're, we're good, we're working good. Rabbi Israel recently, who was a few years ago, who was sick, and he was told by the doctors that he has two weeks left. Two weeks left. So another rabbi of Shach, who was the Panevish Yeshiva, the, the Panevish Shiva, comes in, and this first rabbi of sick, of Shach, he says... They only said, there's two weeks left. What should I do with those two weeks? What would you say? What should you do with those two weeks? Give out all your money. Study a lot of Torah. Review everything you learned. He said, spend those two weeks working on your Middoth. Changing your character. Grow a little more. So when Hashem gives you those challenges, usually the reason why you have them is because somehow you can grow with them. Usually the reason why you have them and your neighbor doesn't is your neighbor has to grow this way and you have to grow that way. And so Borei gave you the picture you need to grow the way you do. You know, we say... When a person gets married, they should be happy. one of the b'shara berachot is Hashem should make this couple happy. Like you made the couple, your first creation, happy in Gan Eden. They should be as happy as Adam and Chava were in Gan Eden. How do we know Adam and Chava were happy? Who said they were happy? I say in the Torah they were happy. Maybe, why don't you say, maybe they were happier. Why do you pick those two? How do you know that they were so happy? What? Exactly. There was no one there to compare to. And so therefore, they were sure that they had the right one. You know how they knew they had the right one? Because there was no one else to have. So they had the right one. God created him for her and her for him. So they were guaranteed to be happy. You know what? If you if you put on those blinders, and you are just focused on what you have, and understand this is matzah, this is what I found, this is what God gave me, this is great. Then you'll be unbelievably happy. And you'll be able to enjoy, you know, think about your life compared to your grandma 50 years ago. And you say, you know what? My Pesach is so unbelievable. Here, there, anywhere. I don't know where you are, where you're gonna be, who's gonna be. Your past is so unbelievable. And you have so much, and you have so much enjoyment, and so many people around you, wherever you are. So maybe there's one person who does it, does it differently, or the one person that has an extra clothing, or extra money, or extra this, or extra, a little more food in the pantry, it's a little easier to shop, or you have to wait till the first of the month, or your husband let you. Whatever. It's all the same. And so we have to understand this message, and make sure in our mind, we understand, that, how important this is, I don't think I told you anything very new today, but what I think I told you is, to remind ourselves, of those same old ideas, to remind ourselves, that, we have to, focus our minds and not allow allow, allow ourselves to be finders to be kids in candy stores that are miserable to not allow ourselves and our mind to be all over the place to not allow ourselves to be unfocused on what we're here to accomplish and to not allow ourselves to get ourselves depressed and frustrated and angry over nothing because if we're focused and we understand that God is the one who provides everything then really in reality it's all the same Thank you.